of 2020. We love you. We're so proud of you. We've gone on so many adventures and we are so pumped to be with you as you go on to new ones, to new adventures, to new stories. We are with you. We are for you. And just receive this because most importantly, God is with you. God is for you. God is going before you. He's behind you. He's all around you. Receive this blessing.
since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Hey, good morning, Ocean Hills. What's going on? It's John Ireland. Happy Father's Day to all the uh, dads out there. And a special shout out this morning to June and Russ Michelson. This week, they're celebrating 5-0, 50 years of marriage, their 50th wedding anniversary. And they've been with us from the very beginning. They're founding partners. And I just, we got to give it up for them. That is incredible. 50 years. What a what uh, evidence of God's grace and your commitment to following Jesus and to letting him work. Way to go. Hey, let's jump into the message this morning. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm a, almost like a trainer this morning. The gym's opened, and you know, if you've ever had a trainer, they encourage you, they push you, they challenge you to do more, to go further than you think you can go, and lift more weights than you think you can lift. I kind of see my role this morning to, to kind of help you go further because some of you right now are tired you're tired of the racism conversation you're tired of covid you're you're like can we just read the bible great colossians chapter 3 we're just going to read the bible it's a holy spirit moment once again every week it just seems to be that way you heard the scripture read but we're landing in one verse colossians 3 verse 11. the first 10 verses were all about Setting your minds on things above. It's all about becoming like Christ. Do you want to know what a Christian should look like? It's Colossians 3. That's what Paul is saying. Putting out how we think impacts who we become. Our sex lives and sexual immorality, that matters to God. That's a spiritual issue. What comes out of our mouth, our words, whether they kill people, destroy people, wound and hurt people, that matters. And then also the idea of renewal. Jono spoke about it last week. This whole idea of God wants to renew us and help us become like Jesus. And now here we are in Colossians 3, verse 11. In this new life, that's how it starts, this verse. It's a new life. It's a new life. You're becoming a new person when the Holy Spirit 
begins to work in and on you and help your life look like Colossians 3. Well, what does it look like? Here it is. Here's a a value for God's people. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in us. What is the meaning of this text? What is Paul getting at? He's saying because of Christ, we're all equal. It's all about equality. It's not about the, my economic status. It's not about what's my nationality. It's not about any of that stuff. In fact, in the ancient world, it was full of barriers. If uh, you were Greek, you looked down on anybody and everybody who didn't speak Greek. If you were Jewish, you looked down on everybody because you were God's chosen people. And so everybody else wasn't. It put you above and so you looked down. And then everybody in the ancient world looked down on slaves. They weren't even considered human. And so then Jesus comes into this culture, into this ancient world. And he says, my kingdom is different. The life that I'm bringing, the way of life that God has for you, for everyone, it looks different, it feels different. It it means making different choices and having different values. It's about equality. It's about we all matter to God. Every person is a -a one-of-a-kind, priceless original. It's not about education or ethnicity. All that stuff he's saying, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. And so Jesus, here's what I want you to hear. This passage, this one verse, he's he's kind of shouting, Paul is, Jesus brings people together. Racial barriers fall. There's no Jew or Gentile. Religious barriers fall, circumcised or uncircumcised. Cultural barriers fall, barbaric or uncivilized. And then social barriers fall. There's no slave or free. What is Paul saying? He's saying, get used to different. If you really are going to follow Jesus... Your life, your values, your opinions, your belief, your actions are going to look different than the world in which we live in. You know, followers of Jesus were part of this world that is bringing heaven to earth. That's God's agenda. He wants to bring heaven to earth and he wants to use you and me. And so let me just be clear. If you hate diversity, you're going to hate heaven. If you love division and barriers and walls, if you're loving this, you're going to hate heaven. Heaven's for all nations, all people, all ethnicities. Heaven is going to be filled with love, but it's going to be very, very, very colorful. So let me close with this. I was in, a, uh, in, in my Bible study early this week, and I happened upon, it wasn't intentional, Acts chapter 11. And Peter is in this posture of, paying attention. He's listening, he's learning, he's watching, and he's looking for God activity. And the word of God is spreading, not just among the Jews. He's noticing it's spreading among the Gentiles. First part of Acts 11. And then in Acts 11, like 15 through 17, he realizes he sees the Spirit of God falling on Jews and on Gentiles. And this was a pivot for him. This was like, whoa, 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 this doesn't fit my theology. And listen to his reflection. It's really powerful. Verse 17. He says, God gave these Gentiles the same gift. 
which is the Holy Spirit, the same gift he gave us, us Jews, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I to stand in God's way? That last phrase, underline it. Who was I? Peter's reflecting. Who was I to stand in God's way? He's saying, I actually had a theological conviction that it's just for Jewish people, this religion. And God opened my eyes and he opened my heart and he's causing me to shift and pivot and say, no, no, no. It's for everybody. God is for everybody. God's unfailing love is for everybody, Jews and Gentiles alike. And I have to just close with this thought. That question challenged me, John Ireland, your pastor. Am I standing in God's way of the work that God wants to accomplish right here, right now, in our church, in our community, and in this world? What's happening, this moment, this conversation? And I want to press and push and have you go a little bit further. I want you to reflect and ask yourself, might you be standing in God's way right now? Might you be standing in the way of God's work, of equality, of embracing and bringing people together, of bringing down the walls, bringing down the accusations and, and demonizing others. God and Jesus are about bringing people together, and his church is about bringing people together. That is your call and my call. And now we're going to continue the conversation. It's a family conversation with the Fab Five. It was great last week. Here's part two. Enjoy it, and God bless you. Thanks for listening. Or the blackness. Or the blackness. Yeah. We were talking about this a little earlier, maybe prior to this session, but like, I think one myth, maybe, or, or one ideology is that racism used to be a thing, right? It, it was a thing, a thing of history. I'm really curious part of this whole talk, and we just talked a little bit about systems, but another part of uh, this talk around race that I've been hearing a lot of is implicit biases, things that we carry around with us that inform us about the way the world works and what qualities are inherent to people and why, right? Uh, can any of you guys talk about maybe some instances where you found implicit biases to be true? Don Carlson, who uh, is a black woman who goes to our church, couldn't be here tonight, and I'm gonna read some of hers too, but I think it was really enlightening for me to find out implicit biases are real, and like, <laughs> my brothers and sisters of color, they experience these almost on a daily basis in some <laughs> cases, right? Can you guys think anything that show, hey, our, our, the way we see the world is kind of wacky sometimes? <laughs> uh, the first, well, <laughs> the first thing I thought of when you, when you were talking there was, uh, and this is kind of silly, but, but, but actually I think it reflects how it can be in, um, ingrained in us at such a young age, but like in elementary school, um, I remember doing, I think a jogathon or some sort of, <laughs> some sort of race. And a comment from uh, a white person was, I thought all black people were fast, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't even think about it in the moment, but it was just like, oh, there's some um, expectations some things <laughs> that people are attributing to me just because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think to, to some extent, you know, we, we all have to come up with um, some sort of system or um, maybe stereotypes to, to kind of navigate. But I think um, what, what we need to do is um, check ourselves. So maybe, so and you talk about the practical example. So literally a couple days ago, I was just, um, 
walking down the street and uh, I was triggered by an individual. And uh, it happened so fast, I didn't even think about it, but, but I think the reason why I thought about it because I was thinking about this, this, this conversation we're gonna have, and I was like, okay, where did that come from? And I, I, I went back to that, that spot that I saw this individual and I started journal writing and I, and I realized there were some attributes about this person that triggered me. Uh, the, a combination of um, he was in a car, his windows were tinted, he had dreads, um, he I think was wearing uh, a certain kind of shirt, uh, and the music he was playing. It was loud, it was a certain genre, mm -hmm. and, and for that I was like, okay, I need to keep my head on a swivel. And it happened so fast I, I almost didn't even know about it, but, and, and I'm, to some degree I'm a little embarrassed that I had it, but I'm proud of myself for stopping and noticing it. And now that I have it, you know, I need to bring that to all my friends to be like, hey, is that of the Lord or is that, is, is that real? Like, is, is, should I be trusting my instincts in this moment or is that something I need to, to repent of? Um, because it does start with us and that self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And when we do explore those blind spots, um, we should feel a healthy amount of guilt. Um, but not stay there, you know, uh, repent, and then do something about it with ourselves, our family, our social circles, the place we recreate, um, work. Um, but it, it starts with a level of self-awareness because we all contribute to it. Um, I know I do. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea, too, of, like, bringing your friends into that, mm -hmm. too. As embarrassing as that can yeah. be, right? Like. I don't know, it's, it's like anything else we do wrong, you know, like, it's so much better shared with other people, bounced off the wall so that we can hear ourselves talking sometimes, so, I love that little insight too, take it to your friends. Yeah, yeah sometimes, I, yeah, my, my ideas can sound good until I say it out loud, <laughs> right? Um, and I think it really is important to have, you know, you know, two or three or a handful of people that you can just be imperfect with you know, um, yes. to, to tell you yes or no and receive that well. Um, yeah, I think that's important. I think there's, there's, a, there's a bias that I am uh, comfortable admitting now um, hmm. that uh, I, for the most part, I just don't feel comfortable in Montecito. Hmm. I don't know what it is, but I, I think I'm, I'm searching my spirit and my Part about it, I just felt like I had this bias that hmm. white people that are older with money are probably more racist than most. Hmm. And for some reason, even like when we're on our World Vision runs or driving through Montecito to go to a hike, or you know, I just don't feel quite comfortable. And and I know that's on me because I mean I know a lot of white people who are just beautiful people like anybody else and that some of my friends and mentors are you know white and all that but I just have this thing and I don't know how to get over it um, I mean I feel like even if I had 50 million dollars I'd never move there I would never want to move there because I just feel like this is not my spot mm. I just don't feel comfortable there um, mm. that's something I'm working on and I, I'm, I'm trying to like not have that uh, weighing me down mm -hmm. right um, and um, I think that's it's just something that I'm, I'm just acknowledging now and, and uh, I have to work on. I want you to know it's my goal to move to Montecito. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> 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 I feel a little more 
<laughs> we could be neighbors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think uh, with implicit bias, uh, we all we have to understand it works both ways. That yeah. uh, I have yeah. my own biases, uh, my own biases, right. and I see the world through them. And at the same time, other people hold their biases, and that's how they approach. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, you know, as Show was able to share, like I could be the guy in dreads and the tinted windows too. Yeah. But I'm just on my way to go, you know, hang out with a, a client or do something else or, you know, listen to music really loud that day or whatever is <laughs> going on for me. So I think we do have to sometimes be honest with ourselves and be honest that also inside the black community we hold other biases towards other black people. Wow. And we need to really work on that as well, that all those play a part of how we do and what our experiences are currently. Have you had any have you had any people make assumptions about you? Yes. So, um, as most of you guys know, I work with children as well. So, people make assumptions when you come for a session to do therapy with them. Um, some parents make assumptions, some kids make assumptions. Other people look at you, they're like, oh, you have that. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, you sounded so professional on the phone. Just some of these mm -hmm. other biases that, mm -hmm. that you're not what they expected when you show up. Mm -hmm. I think one that we talked about a little bit earlier is when people say, hey, you sound so intelligent. You know, and I was like, in reference to what? <laughs> you know, what do you mean by that? Yeah. But I think people often hold different um, biases. Like it's either like the Cosby dad, or it's yeah. you know someone that's going to be in some movie. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like every person is not a monolith. We're all our own individual people, but also we do share the same outdoor covering. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. It's crazy, right? We like carry so much with us so much. that we're not even necessarily directly responsible for. Like it, it's not necessarily something to feel guilty about but it, it is something to kind of take responsibility for now I guess because now it's ours to bear so hmm. I think I, I don't know like even something like that it's like not necessarily not necessarily like did these people think oh I'm gonna I'm gonna consciously think of a black person as inherently less intelligent right but uh, for whatever reason our nature, our nurture, probably more our nurture, right? Growing up, things that we never knew were entering into us, entering into a part of who we are that comes out sometimes. And I think this is kind of an awakening moment we're having as a nation to like, hey, this is a part of all of us, like you said, John. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that's taught. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, not, that's not natural out of the womb. Yeah. That's, that's learned, that's either taught, negativity about stereotypes and things, that's taught. Um, it's taught through either parents or, or community, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, and uh, uh, the media mm -hmm. is a big problem there, stereotypes in movies and films, um, stereotypes of black people, and, and stereotypes of, you know, the Asian person, yeah. the, you know, the Indian 7-Eleven uh, owner, yeah. I mean, they're, they're rampant, right? Mm -hmm. It is getting a little bit better, but I, those stereotypes are not something that God put in people. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. It, it, that came through culture. Mm -hmm. That came through environment. And that needs to be untaught. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not enough to be, you know, I don't I'm not racist. We need to be anti yeah. what they're saying, right? You need to be you need to be against racism. Not, not racism, not just like uh, you know, uh, not right, right, right down the middle. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You need to be on the other side of fighting against it. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that people who really want to make change, they have to be on the other side. They have to be willing to jump in to do something tangible and not just say, yes, I agree. Yeah, it's an active <laughs> swim up the stream. Yeah. It is. Yeah, because there's a current happening 
and if we're not fighting against it, then we're getting pulled by it. And this is, this is, I've heard people say, and I kind of agree with them, like, we're not old enough to be, have done the 60s yeah. uh, civil rights movement. We were, we were, were not born or very little, very young. But this is kind of like the next version of that that we're going through right now. And then I think people in 20 years are going to be like, oh, so when that happened in 2020, mm -hmm. what, were you, what did you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't do anything. I saw it on the news, but I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And like, why not? Why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you help? Why didn't you take up the take up a poster and at least march? Do yeah. something, right? Yeah. And I think people are gonna either they're gonna look back in this time going, that was a moment where I did something and I'm glad I helped. I mean, white person or black person, I'm glad I helped. I mean, the the black people in this country um, need and must have non-black people as allies to win this fight, to get over this hump. We can't do it alone. It's like the 60s. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the, you know, I don't know what the percentage, but percentages were, but I know that the people, the white people in the civil rights movement in the 60s were instrumental in getting those changes mm -hmm. made. Instrumental. You see some of the movies and, and old photographs, you're like, wow, there's a lot of white people in those photographs. Yes. <laughs> and there needs to be a lot of white people on the news with us marching and fighting and making the changes today. Mm -hmm. Can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree with you. Um, I would add something particularly for the Christian community. Yeah. Um, it could be, I think there's a temptation to judge other people's response. Yeah. You know, and, and I had, when I was feeling guilt about um, I was feeling guilty because uh, I felt like, well, um, I haven't experienced the overt racism like many other people have. And I was talking to a, uh, I reached out to a, an older um, Christian black male and said, I was almost felt like I was confessing. And he said something to me that stuck with me. He said, you know, some people need to take their fight via protest, but some people need to take their fight on their knees in prayer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like he gave me permission to do what was best for me. Now, um, what I don't want to do is not protest because out of fear of what other people think or because it's outside my comfort zone. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's easy for me to get away with, you know, but we all need to do that heart check and not judge other people. We're, we are constantly influencing people, whether we know it or not. All right. As I think about that, that moment to share with you, I could have easily wrote it off, you know, but if I kept doing that, I'm going to be influencing people um, in a way that isn't Christ-like, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, I just think that's really important for the Christian community to not to resist the temptation of pointing fingers, blame shifting, um, and judging other people's response. Yeah. Before we move too far off this topic, I did want to make sure, because I mentioned it, to read a couple of what here, things that uh, Don has experienced in town here, too. but. We talked about, or we asked her a little bit about uh, places she's felt, um, not just judged, but she's felt like biases have existed against her. And here's just some of what she wrote. Uh, she said, I have people question if my daughter is my child. She's of mixed race, black and white, but looks white. She also said, I've been told that something is wrong with this picture, in quotes when I've been out and about with my daughter. On numerous occasions, she said, I've had white people grab their small children when they notice me walking behind them. This has happened too many times to be a coincidence. And then this is a little reminiscent of kind 
kind of what we just talked about too, but she says, I've been told that I don't act like a black person. When asked what that looks like, the response was that black people are loud and don't speak properly. I asked how they arrived at that conclusion and was told from watching TV. So I, I read stuff like this, I'm like, it's so, so real. So wrong, but it's angry. not outside. That makes me totally angry. Don yeah. is one of the sweetest, <laughs> nicest person you would ever meet, ever. Definitely. And to someone be threatened by her, mm -hmm. obviously it's only because she looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's just mad. Mm -hmm. But that's the difference between when we call and classify everything as racism versus really what's anti-blackness. Yeah. People are looking at you as black, and right. there's a certain feeling about black. And I gave this example to me and John spoke the other day, but like. Think about what the color white means. It's like angel food cake. It's also, <laughs> and then black is devil's food cake. What is? What message are we kind of sending wow. to people at a very early age yeah. about about color? So we talked a little bit about like what everyone can do. How can we be an ally, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we can do those three T's. We can give some time. We can give some talent. We can give some treasure. Let's look at those things that we can do together. You know, if you can't do anything yet, you can protest. Give some time. That's free. You may not be able to live in Montecito yet, guys. But <laughs> let's do that. If you have the treasure, give it. You know, and do that as well. But if you have the talent, and talent can be whatever you feel your part is in this. If you have something you're good at, go ahead and do that. And I think that will be part of the message that I'm going to support. Yeah, and I think well, one of the one of the things that's easy for my white friends to do is just call it out when they see it. Like don't mm -hmm. let it don't let it continue in their in their mm -hmm. own circle. Mm -hmm. You may lose some friends. Mm -hmm. You may not be comfortable at Thanksgiving next year because you <laughs> called out your uncle. But like if you if you see it, call it out. And I can't do that because I'm not gonna, not gonna it's not gonna happen around me necessarily yeah, right. in that way. But the people who are there, who are the white people or non-black people, they have an opportunity to like stop it there, to like curtail it there, and to like make a change right in their own circle. Great yeah. help when it's covert, but also help when it's overt. We need, we need both, and like you said, Jeff, sometimes they're not going to tell the joke around us. They're going to wait till they're, they're with the family to do that, but be able to call it out and be confident and that this is the right thing to do, like show you're hitting on. This is, what would Jesus do? Would he let us lie? I mean, think about it from that way. If you really want to lock it into faith as well, I think we need yeah. to look at it from that perspective. Maybe just a, a final word for our church, since you're part of our core community. What, what kind of words do you have for Ocean Hills as we can be part of the solution? We can move forward together, keep having more conversations. What kind of thoughts would you just give our church community? Here in Santa Barbara, too, where yeah. it's very different. True. Kind of racism happening too. It's not the final word, but it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think I think you gotta do the work um, internally. Um, you gotta do a heart check. Um, yeah, everyone, me included, should ask yourself, how am I contributing to it, and um, and take responsibility for it. You know, um, you know, I like what you say. Lean in, um, empathize. It. it I, I can't see anyone looking at some of the events that happen and not feeling sad or anger or maybe even embarrassment like me because you didn't notice it um, but to own those emotions um, and then you know pause like sit in it you know journal write talk to some people you trust and then and then respond the way that um, God speaks to you to respond whether that's praying or protesting or um, calling someone take the risk 
of being awkward, you know, um, listen well at a heart level. And it doesn't mean you have to agree. It just means that they feel heard. And then, um, and then the most important thing, repeat. Do it again so that this becomes a movement and not just a season. Um, I would say, um, to try to make it as simple as possible, don't go back to where you were six months ago. Like, you know, six months ago, this wasn't like the hot topic. It wasn't like everyone on everyone's mind, but now it is. So I would say, take where you are now and like, let's take that and take a step forward with this. Don't let it sit here in this, sit here like it was six months ago. Let's go forward. Um, I would also say it's, it's critical for everyone to have someone else to talk to in their circle. I mean, like, Shell and I spoke last week briefly just about what's going on. I think it's, it doesn't have to be a black person, it can be, but I think just communication is the first step and acknowledging that, hey, I can do a little bit more. It may not be a protest, it may not be, um, you know, calling your senator or writing a new law, but it may be something small like, um, you know what, I've never seen Selma, mm -hmm. the movie. Mm -hmm. um, 13th is another one. 13th. I've never seen that. Yeah. It, it, starting with a little bit of education, and those, and those are easy things. Everyone has either Netflix or Hulu or something. There's a lot of great resources out there just to get yourself a little bit more educated about the black experience, which would then uh, translate to a bit, bit more uh, understanding. Yeah, I think in terms of films, actually, Amazon made like all that stuff for yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. For yeah. this month or something like that, too. It's crazy. It's like on purpose. And that's Everyone loves movies, so watch yeah. a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of watching Avengers, watch something like that. So watch one of those educational movies. I agree. Uh, I was going to piggyback on what you're saying. First, educate yourself. Get some thought leaders, get people who don't think like you, and start to educate yourself, understand their experience. You know, personally right now I'm reading White Fragility myself, mm -hmm. and I think it's important to educate myself personally for what I'm doing in this road. The other part is listening for sure. Let's all be here, let's continue this conversation. It doesn't have to be us five, but let's let's continue. Yeah. And yeah. then also I would say, you know, reach out when we do are back in person at some yeah. point. You know, come find the people who are black, who are other people or in other groups, and start to make those contacts, make those connections really find out more about them on a personal level. You know, each person has their own experience. I want to hear your experience too. Let's let's do this together. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. If we can start this as a family, this is what families do. Mm -hmm. Families have to have hard conversations. Families have to sometimes correct course, but families always come out stronger again. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one more thing, I think that, I think the Christian community in general, yeah. not just the covenant, but I think the Christian community <laughs> needs to be called out a bit. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Christian community does enough in the area of yeah, just equal rights uh, and civil anti rights. Anti-racism. I think the Christian community should be at the forefront mm -hmm. of, of doing what, what Jesus would expect them to do. Um, and I think that needs to be something that we kind of think about more. And how does the church be at the forefront of what's right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be an intersection though, for some people because mm -hmm. some of the attitudes we have are also being held up by people who say they're Christian. So mm -hmm. how are we going to navigate that as people who say you're a follower of Jesus, you're a follower of God? How are you going to navigate that part when you're holding on to these other ideals which don't, at least in my opinion, seem like what Jesus would want? Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to help people also pull in the cloak of Christianity, in my opinion, to actually start to address it cannot be covered all with 
you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, we're going to have to get to some of these root issues. And as you hit on, what would Jesus do if he was sitting right next to you over your shoulder? Would you type that? Would you tweet that? Would you react that way to your friend? And if, if not so, then we, we need to make some change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Shell. So good to be with you guys, and just really appreciate your perspectives. And yeah. we're going to keep going. I have been <laughs> impressed. Like, I have been impressed. We're in COVID. It's hard to read the whole church, right? But I have been impressed with the heart of almost everybody in our church I've interacted with so far, right? I think, like, I, I love being a part of this family because people want to live like Jesus would live, right? And so even with the disagreement, even with not seeing things the same way sometimes, I do still believe people in our community, they want to lean in, they want to ask the harder questions, they want to live their lives in line with Jesus. And so I think as we move into a greater, clear picture of God's justice together, I, I think we need to do that together, right? And I think that's going to take us listening, being patient with one another. But I see so many willing hearts right now. And I think it's it's a long road. This road goes on for a lifetime, right? But this is where it might start for some people. This is not where it continues for some people. But going at the same pace together, really helping people along, helping each other along, helping me because I need it maybe more than anybody. But just going at the same pace together is going to be so important as we move forward in this, I think. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Um, let me just pray for us real yeah. quick, fellas, and we'll wrap this thing up. Father God, uh, this has just been a blessing to my soul and hopefully to the souls represented in, in this circle. I can't thank you enough uh, for these men, all of them, and what they bring to the table um, for the vulnerability and the authenticity with which they shared tonight. Thank you, God. This came straight from the heart tonight. Uh, and Lord, I, I have just been meditating on what you said. Jesus, you were always saying those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, let them see and hear. And God, I pray that you would give us and give our church, give our country eyes to see and ears to hear right now. We just want to be in line with your heart. We trust you and we follow you in this, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love being a part of that conversation, and I love being a part of a church that's willing to have conversations like this. This is the context for spiritual growth and discipleship, that we would have conversations, real conversations with real people about real things. And so we hope and pray that you lean into community and have these conversations and listen and learn with us this summer. There's two things we really want you to know about this summer. We got some great spiritual growth opportunities and our main one is praying through the Psalms. We want everyone in our church community, everyone in our church community, that means you, to pray through the Psalms with us this summer and to take at least 21 days and commit to praying through each Psalm that we have. And so we would, we'd love for you to jump in. The, the information is online, it's on our app. You can jump in in a few different ways. The second thing, is dads this is your day it's father's day 
and we celebrate you, we acknowledge you, we see you. You are such an important, you have such an important role in your family. And we want to give you a gift. Uh, Preston from Captain Fatty's has, uh, has said we could have a, a Father's Day special at the Captain Fatty's Tap Room. So if you head up there, you can have a two-for-one beer with a friend and uh, just, just mention Ocean Hills Father's Day special between Monday and Friday. Sunday through Friday, actually. Sunday through Friday. So uh, do that and uh, enjoy that. We love you, dads. And, uh, and then lastly, thank you so much for, for giving to Ocean Hills, for being a part of this mission to reach more people and to help more people and encourage more people to grow closer to God. We are so thankful for your donations. And we would just, uh, we'd ask that you continue them. Let's give joyfully. And uh, we thank you for being in, investing in this movement of Jesus. Have a great week. God is good. Three, two. Did you guys get on your knees? I totally missed it. Yes. Oh, bummer. Okay. I'm still on my knees. <laughs>